Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz, uh, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers, prioritize physical presence, be engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. So this podcast series, we're looking at uh, charging dads to step up, uh, initiating discussion around stepping into these three tenets of faithful fathering. But uh, before I introduce our guest again, I do want to again point you to the Faithful Fathering website. Uh, faithfulfathering.org where you can click on the for dads button to uh, access our vlogs and studies that uh, really complement these podcasts so uh, as always uh, we want to keep this a very practical discussion always welcome your feedback if you want to give us a call or email us uh, those access that you can access those on our website as well but I pray this blesses you on your journey as the man husband and father the Lord's calling you to be so in the studio with me again is uh, dear friend Matt Hammersky uh, He's pastor of Risen Nation Church, also a husband and, and father. So welcome again, Matt. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, we just touched on, uh, those that hadn't tuned in, uh, we had uh, touched on the prioritizing physical presence in the previous podcast. Matt is a, a young dad, has been married 12 years, has a, a son that uh, you adopted, correct? Yeah, yeah about yeah, finalizing, yeah. We're finalizing in the process yeah, yeah. of adopting, but uh, engaged in the foster care system mm-hmm. and moved forward from there. So he's... Uh, uh, he has a lot of ups and downs and things he shared, but uh, this this uh, tenet of faithful fathering is actually engaging emotionally uh, with our kids, being engaged emotionally. And emotions, this isn't exactly a manly term, is it? Uh, this emotion it, thing? Yeah, it's it definitely hasn't gotten that rap for sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think men don't cry has been the dominating well, sure, uh, yeah, thing for a long time. Not in public, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Not in public. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, and being that you have a son and uh, not a daughter, daughters, mm-hmm. of course, tend to be more emotionally, not oh, yeah. more emotional, but oh, yeah. uh, not always. I don't want to broad brush that, but uh, I was blessed to have both a daughter and a son, mm-hmm. and uh, it, uh, it was certainly more, uh, there was just my own emotions because of the way I came across. You mentioned that sometimes yeah. you, you, you would, uh, there would be a, a, an intensity or a, yeah. a, you know, the, just a frustration come out. And, mm-hmm. and I found uh, one of the big wake up calls I got as a dad was when uh, my daughter was actually uh, shared with her mom that uh, she was scared of me. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I always say I played tennis because I couldn't find nine other guys as mad at the world as I was to <laughs> compete with. And, yeah. and that was just my release yeah. was just yeah. to lay it out there physically on the tennis court, uh, all on my own deal, not relying on anybody else. Yeah. And with that, of course, came along some intensity that I – uh, wasn't even aware of just yeah. the way I would look and the way I would come across. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's a that's a, a shot to the soft underbelly when you, the one of the most important people in your whole life yeah. uh, are a little bit fearful of you. So yeah. uh, that started a whole new uh, journey. So tell us a little bit about how you you've uh, short circuited the idea of being emotionally engaged with your son as uh, as a as a uh, in this journey of toward adoption. Um, so for him. I know he's come from the background. He he puts on a very tough front. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to, I mean, even just crying, he would have these, these what we just would call them meltdowns because mm-hmm. that's what they were. And, and he would get very aggressive, very angry, and very hurt uh, just over past things that have happened. And, 
And you know, as a child, you don't really, or you don't have the tools to deal with that pain. Mm-hmm. It just got to come out, mm-hmm. and, and that's even a biblical principle. You know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, mm-hmm. and it's like somehow or some way, your behavior is going to manifest the hurt that's inside, because mm-hmm. your body can only take so much, mm-hmm. and so it'll start. And that's when he would have these episodes, and they would be very emotional on the anger spectrum Mm. and so when we started to really kind of break down these things and i would have to restrain him sometimes for an hour hour and a half of just holding him in this hold Mm -hmm. while he just loses his mind and screams and yells Mm. and is cursing at you and it's trying to hit you i mean i've been bit multiple times you just tons of things right and i'm thinking in this i'm like what did i get myself into this is insane um but at the end of all of them it would always kind of you would hear him start to kind of sob and there would just be this you know, and it was kind of like he would come back, right, from this losing himself completely. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, we'd have these conversations. And, and, and the more he began to trust me, the more I noticed that he would start to actually, like, when he would do something that he knew he shouldn't have done, or he would say something in anger, he would then, you'd see him, you'd catch him, he'd try to hide, but he'd be crying. In his room, he'd be hiding and crying. And because he was dealing with the fact that he just hurt somebody that he actually cares about. Mm-hmm. And so that began to connect, which when you start to see that, they'll tell you that's a great sign. Because one, you've got somebody that's gone through so much abuse, they, they're at risk of becoming a sociopath, of not being able to empathize with people right. anymore. Right. And so the fact that he can empathize with, I just hurt them and it hurt me, that was huge. And we're like, oh, good. you know. And so, um, But I would come in those times and, and show him, even in the midst of that, I said, hey, man, it's good to cry. It, it's you, you can't it, it's okay it's okay to cry and there'd be times when I would go and like he would share with me kind of things um, that had happened to him in the past and some of the stuff I knew about because I read it in his file some of it I didn't right. and he would tell me stuff and I, and I would cry sure. in front of him as he's sharing what has happened to him sure. and he kind of look at me and I'd, I would just tell him buddy I'm sorry I wasn't there for you sorry mm-hmm. I didn't know you yet because mm-hmm. if I would have been there I would have protected you mm-hmm. and I said mm-hmm. but I can promise you that's never going to happen to you again and so, you know, we would have these moments, and I think showing him that, you know, I would cry in the midst of these meetings. Now, I'm not a big crier, but there are times I cry, you know, when I'm in the presence of the Lord. Sure. I'll cry. Sure. <laughs> um, Real man cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's, and, you know, or when, you know, spending time or having these moments with my wife where you're just kind of bearing your soul and talking about what you've been going through and the frustration, you mm. know, all those kind of things. I think the stigma of that is going away, which is great. Um, but even my dad, uh, there was a moment I remember my dad, he he felt like he had failed me in certain areas, and he began crying and was just trying to talk to me about it. And he was, I mean, just really, and I'll never forget that because I'd never seen my dad cry. Right. Up until that moment, I think I was 19 years old, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget it. Sure. It left a mark of knowing how much my dad really cared about me. Sure. And I, I didn't really fully understand it until I saw that. Right. And so I think that connecting, engaging emotionally, it's hard for men at times, especially coming out of that era of, of you know, you got to be tough. You got to be. And, and, and granted, there are times, look, you don't have time to cry. You don't have time to whine. You right. need to lead. Suck it you up, know, yeah, 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 deal with it. But then there are times where you need to show sure. that, hey, we just came out of a season where, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I was completely overwhelmed. I had to totally depend on the Lord. I didn't know if we were going to make it. But we did. And now that we did. <laughs> I need to process. Like, I need to deal with what I've gone through. I need to go with a trusted person I can share this with, or even expressing how I feel to my son or to my wife about them. 
right sure and and being open and raw with them and then also them seeing me with that with the with the lord you know in worship mm-hmm. and in that like you know that this moment my wife will tell you that there's multiple few times where matt will cry but i guarantee you if he's crying it's because god is speaking god is doing something and right. and that's my heart is tender you yeah. know to that well, and so anyway that's that's no that's huge because i know i know my son didn't see me cry until i lost one of the father figures in my life mm-hmm. and i realized at that point just said we we tend to think that only girls need us to connect with them emotionally i always tell dads with girls make sure you're you're hugging them even when they become teenagers yeah put those hugs on them because oh, yeah. uh, if you don't hug them somebody else will oh, and you yeah. might not like mr somebody else right yeah. <laughs> but it's also true for our sons i mean mm-hmm. every, the, there's a study years ago at ucla that said everyone needs eight to ten touches a day mm-hmm. uh, for good emotional health as well as encouraging words right yeah and uh, dads aren't necessarily inclined to right. uh, put a hug on their son or, or give him an attaboy or uh, you know, a, a slap on the back or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But uh, to this day, a 36-year-old son, we hug each other oh, in yeah. public, and uh, that's, yeah. uh, it, it, it's just part of who we are. Oh, yeah. And it's a good emotional uh, connection all the way around. So, yeah. so not hiding your emotions. I do want to go back. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned sympathy and empathy. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, explain the differences there? Uh, why that was so important for him to be able to relate and uh, empathize? Well, I mean, it shows, one, it shows your emotional development um, as far as, you know, if I'm able to empathize with somebody, as in, like, I can I can see what they're going through and I can actually in some way put myself in their shoes and relate and say, oh, I, f- I can see why they're hurting and then actually hurt with them mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to, and the Bible tells us that, to rejoice together, to grieve together. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of your development. And as a kid that's coming from abuse, they don't get time to build that mm-hmm. uh, because they're constantly in survival mode. So they immediately, that's part of foster care. When you're fostering a child, there's a thing called TBRI, trust-based relational intervention. And it's it's the way of, of helping a foster child heal that's been through a lot of hurt. And mm-hmm. you basically have to rewire the brain mm-hmm. because their brain is wired a certain way to For respond. Survival. survival, exactly. <laughs> and so they reach for, when something happens to them, they get triggered, mm-hmm. right? They reach for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's reworking those paths over and over again with them and sh- teaching them how to reach for the right thing. And so the fact that we saw our, our son begin to have empathy, we were like, ooh, okay, we're making some breakthrough. You know, and so even though we just went through something like, oh my gosh, this was like knockdown, drag out, argument, uh, you know, all sorts of, and teenagers are already tough. I mean, you're dealing with hormones, you're dealing with everything. But on top of that, to be dealing with trauma, which is a whole different thing, um, you have to know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, parents, some of the people that have the most trouble fostering, I found is that they they have bio children. Mm -hmm. And, but you got to understand when your biological children are born, they're born trusting you Mm -hmm. uh, because you're there. Right. Uh, these kids do not. Right. And so when you think, oh, I'm just disciplining them because I love you, they're not receiving that. Right. Right. <laughs> you're you're just building on the trauma they have. Right. And so you have to do it a different way. And part of that engage, engaging emotionally is so important. Like I said, uh, when he would have these, he just recently actually, he, uh, him, and my wife got in a bit of an argument, and they both triggered each other because when the last time he was placed with us, him and my wife butted heads constantly, and he constantly rejected her because he had so much anger for his bio mom. Right. So he projected it onto her. And so she had to deal with that constantly of somebody who just wanted to be a mom to him, you know, being right. rejected. Right. And so she got mad. She left and he was mad. He went up in his room. And so this all is all happening on a Sunday. And I'm like, she comes to me. She's like, well, he's not going to church. We'll deal with it later. I'm coming. And I was like, no, I'll be right there. So I, I stopped everything I was doing. I left and said, guys, I got to go. Just hold down the, the fort. I promise I'll be back before it's time for me to preach. <laughs> and I go home 
And I get home and I go up to his room and I'm like, you know, say so his name's like Michael, you know, open the door. And you can see him, he's buried and everything. And he, you can hear him kind of sobbing. And I, I, pull, I try and pull the covers off off of him to talk to him. And he's like, no, no, you know, he starts, he starts going to this, like, he's angry. And he's trying to control himself. I can see it. You know, he's really trying to control himself. And so I just pick him up and I grabbed him and I looked at him. I grabbed his, like, face like this. And I looked at him. I was like, hey. And then he was like, I'm not mad at you. And he stopped and he looked at me and he was like, he kind of just stopped for a second. He's like, kind of breathe, you know, and then, and I'm just holding him. And I said, dude, I love you. I said, you know, I said, but we, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. And he began to explain what had happened and the way he took it. And I said, okay, well, you know, and I began to tell him, you know, Sydney, I was like, my wife was like, she doesn't, she doesn't mean it like that, buddy. You know, she was just upset. I said, just like, sometimes you get upset, you lose control. Same thing. We all do. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, you know, she didn't mean it like that. And you know, all those kind of things. And as we worked through it and he saw that, we connected emotionally, you know, and he quickly got himself ready, got up. I said, do you want to go to church? He said, yeah. And I said, okay. So we went down and got in the car and made it back to church in time and everything was good. And the rest of the day was great. And, you know, and my wife came to him and apologized to him. She said, look, I said some things I shouldn't have said. I reacted in a way that wasn't right. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, but then here's the issue we have that, that you contributed to, right? right. Here's the thing we got to work through. And, and at that point, he's listening. He's receiving. He said, he said yes, ma'am. Yes, and and he he you know received it, right. but again, there's that emotional connection to start if with. If you can if you can stabilize the emotions, yes, then you can connect emotionally mm-hmm. and then get on with the program. Oh yeah, so. and, and just like you're saying, that physical touch of constantly hugging and, and it, one of we did that love language test with him recently, and his big one is physical touch. Mm-hmm. And so like I constantly you know more my my dad he gave me the hey you know and everyone's but he wasn't a big you know kind of touchy-feely person in general. More noogies um, than hugs. Yes, yes. Like, it was more pranks, and that was <laughs> I love you, and, you know. But for, for Michael, the way he receives love is that that hand on the shoulder, that hug, that, you know, sometimes he would just come down, and he'd be like, hey, uh, he'd just be asking me a question, and he'd kind of look at me, and then he, he'd be like, he'd just kind of open up his arms like this, like like he wants a hug, and then I'd give him a hug, or he'd ask, hey, can I, can I get a hug? I'm like, yeah, you can get a hug. You know, so I definitely feel like I have become much more of a – a, a, a loving person, like like showing affection mm-hmm. uh, through that process of understanding that's what he needs. And also my wife, too. It's a big thing for sure, her. Sure. Constant. She, she sent me that article, eight hugs a day. You know, she was like, and she told me, you don't <laughs> hug me long enough. That's what she used to tell me. And so, like, just being very intentional with that and understanding the power you have as a father and as mm-hmm. a husband. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're willing to hold tight and yeah. that protection they feel and yeah. that security they feel uh, is huge. Yeah. I always say uh, the eight-second hug is the one that I was uh, referencing. I said, you know, if you if you realize, you know, women and you know, particularly those in the foster care system, they the, what they lack, and a lot of times they're looking for in a relationship is security. Mm-hmm. So if you if you hug your bride and you you think about the eight-second reference, uh, yeah, then around six or seven seconds, there's a, whew, yeah, you know. And I always tell guys, don't count out loud. You know, yeah. That, 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 that isn't a bull, it, it bull ride. You know, <laughs> Might send the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, uh, but the point is, uh, as you say, the, the emotionally and the hug is, is a conveyance of security, of, of, uh, of, of, of the, the mutual engagement in this relationship. That yeah. there's, a, there's a secure dimension and, and mm-hmm. you're not going anywhere. Right? Yeah. 
uh, as for that. And uh, you also mentioned that you had a, a mutual love for music. Yes. So there's an uh, extracurricular activity that he enjoys yeah. that happens to be in your wheelhouse as well. What mm-hmm. a blessing that is. Huh? Oh, yeah. It's been a fun way to connect. Uh, he actually is going to start um, like legit drum lessons uh, soon, which we're excited about. He's picked up drums. He's gotten really good really quick. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm wanting somebody to take him next level. I'm not uh, a bass has always been my jam, and so I know drums, but I'm not as good as someone that could take him to the next level with it. And so uh, that has been cool to connect with him on that. Uh, he's also very artistic. He loves drawing. Uh, you know, he's really big in the arts, which my wife is an amazing artist. She can draw, paint, everything, photography, all that. So they've been connecting on that. He's recently with his phone. He's gotten into. He's now. I'm, I'm gonna go take photos. He's very like. He wants to find spots to take cool photos. Mm. Uh, and so now my wife is being very intentional with him in, in that as well. And so, again, just engaging him with those extracurricular activities. Uh, he loves basketball. Uh, you know, we're encouraging him to go out for the team, but he's not quite ready yet as far as, mm-hmm. like, I think just personally, I think he feels a lot of anxiety about it, mm-hmm. but he's very good. Mm-hmm. And so he's a natural athlete. I mean, he's, you know, all the things that I'm into, he's into. So. It really is a win, an easy win for me. Right, There's right. no excuse for me to not be able to engage with him on those levels. But even if it wasn't, if like I try to think of it like a daughter, you know, is, is taking those interests um, just a lot like I do with my wife. My wife will sometimes be interested in things that I don't really care about, mm-hmm. but I care about her. Mm-hmm. So I show her that I care for her by caring about the things that she's interested in. That's a great message because I, I know you also mentioned there was a game that you didn't necessarily enjoy, but your son enjoyed. Oh, yeah. And so we play together. He comes show, oh, look at these new skins I got this this month and all this stuff. And, and my first thing is like, oh, gosh, how much money did you spend getting all this stuff? You know, and, and that's kind of my – but I'm like, no, this is important to him. Right. And sure. I try to think about, you know, how music early on was like that for me. And sometimes my parents didn't understand I wanted to spend – you know, twelve hundred. I wanted this twelve hundred dollar bass guitar, and they're like, "Why? Is, what's wrong with the four hundred dollar one?" Right. right, right, right. And so I try to keep that in front of me, and then so when I come in, I say, "Oh man, buddy, that looks great. That's cool. You did all that, yeah." I was like, "Wow, look, you're that level, yeah, dude. That's insane." You yeah, know, yeah. and just and you see them just get more and more confident, more and sure. more just full of 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 joy um, because I care. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, I will say, you know, my son was the athlete, which is very much up my wheelhouse, yeah. and our, my daughter was the musical theater uh, oh. one. That was a music, you know, she yeah, had a yeah. gift of voice, you know, God, the only instrument God makes, right? Yeah, the voice, yeah, the and, voice yeah. Uh, but but uh, I will say, would I have been as supportive if it was my son that was in musical theater and mm. my daughter was into athletics? And mm. I would pray I would be. But yeah. isn't that the message? That it, it's the emotional engagement that helps us understand that, uh, the kids don't necessarily fall in love with what we want them to be or do. Yeah. It's it's getting in sync with how the Lord has uniquely gifted them yeah. and, uh, and and how to how to encourage them in their unique giftedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, any uh, any other suggestions on how you really tune into that? Um, I, again, I think it's a lot of uh, we talked about in the previous uh, episode is 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 just being intentional and asking questions mm-hmm. uh, and, and making sure they're doing something because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like we you know require we require Michael to be in an extracurricular of some type. Sure. And so we thought it was going to be basketball. But he said, I don't really want to go out for the team. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I really like the drums. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's start getting you weekly drum lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll start putting you with other kids that play. You know, you can play in like a band setting. You can do it. They do like performances every mm-hmm. quarter. Mm-hmm. I said, so well, you want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's do that. So it's it's like you're saying, not forcing 
what you want on them, mm-hmm. but giving them options to choose. Right. And uh, right. now specifically all, for all children, that's great. Uh, giving them boundaries and letting them have some power in the choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's obviously a boundary. It's saying, okay, you can do this or this, right? Sure. And sure. Uh, for foster care, they encourage you to do that because um, these kids have had the power of choice taken away from them. Right, right. Majority right. of their life. Right. And so if you can give them choices, you know, it really helps. And so from that choice, I saw me light up, ooh, I want to do drums. Mm-hmm. Awesome, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then he's like, maybe basketball next year. I'm like, maybe basketball next year. You know, those, you so just being, again, being intentional, asking questions, um, you know, and reminding yourself, even if it's something you don't like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't discredit that it's still something important to them and that it's still stuff that people do like. Right, you know, right. I, I understand, like, country music. I don't like country music. I'm sorry. But, yeah, there's plenty of people. There's plenty of people <laughs> that love country music. Is and I live another, in Houston, Texas. I didn't know there was Texas. another kind of music. There you go. So I live in Houston, Texas. There's tons of people who love country music. So it's not that I say, oh, country music is just horrible music, right? It's just not my thing. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's if you like it, you're any less than me because I like this genre of music. You know, so it's right. that understanding. Sure. And also I can still appreciate it as music. Sure. So same thing. Good. Well, kind of and I, for the dads out there that are younger dads with younger kids, uh, with biological kids or just a younger uh, framework, I always encourage uh, getting involved in at least, uh, like you say, an extracurricular activity, oh, yeah. which would be, I would say, you know, uh, soccer is one because it. It sets a kid up for uh, mm-hmm. cardiovascular for yeah. life. You know, they're out yeah, there running also, around. Yeah, he's also really good soccer. <laughs> and then swimming is another because yeah. every kid needs to learn how to swim. Plus, it teaches parents patience. Yes. If you can make it through a swim season, you've done quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but I do like uh, you know you don't ever limit your children. You do you have to keep your sanity. Oh yeah. But I always am cautious about limiting kids to one or two activities. You know, they've they've got to find their bent. Yeah. So expose them as best you can to music, yeah. to art, to piano, to sports to different different sports you know that type of thing uh but the the challenge what one thing i would always say is uh once you start a season and you can validate whether this is uh you know obviously you're not into basketball yet but they hadn't started that but once you start a season, that's always my criteria is that you will finish the season oh, yeah. unless there's a, a big rift on the team or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I think that uh, that's part of the, the journey is yeah. that even if it does get a little bit rough, maybe you're not getting all the playing time you want to get or whatever, yeah. you still finish the season. Yeah, yeah. you don't quit. Yeah. Right. No, no quit there. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, how you say your your son is turning sixteen? Yeah. Uh, are you teaching him to drive? Uh, yeah. So I've actually I started when he was a little younger uh, when he would drive. So I have a, a my car is a stick shift, uh, and so he was obviously very interested in that just right off the go. And he I think he'd seen like one of the Fast and the Furious movies, and so he was you know all about it. And so uh, I love I love cars. I love I love going fast. It's always been something I've been into. My dad used to read me growing up. Uh, it was must. Mustangs and fast forwards magazines. He used to always show me all this stuff. So he got me into cars really early. Ford Ferrari is your favorite movie. Uh, oh, that was a great movie. I love that movie. Uh, so I love cars. I love the sound of you know just a uh, you know a, a really powerful engine. You know all those kind of things. Mm. And so early on, he asked me about driving. So I've been showing him. My dad taught me really early. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started teaching me how to drive when I was like thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by the time I was sixteen, I knew I was driving a stick shift. I was you know all Good. sorts of stuff. Cool. Um, so that yeah i mean i've begun teaching him how to drive we're kind of we're taking our time on that though because one the school is literally like right behind us and so he rides his bike to school uh, i got him a really nice bike he rides his bike to school uh and so uh, his favorite place is like mcdonald's which is right next to the school so 
you know, we kind of um, we're taking it slow with him on that because his maturity is still behind where he sh- would sure. even a normal sixteen year old would be right, right. because of all the things. But he's he's maturing quickly, but it is taking some time. So um, you know, we'll probably wait a little while longer than that. But yeah, teach him how to drive, getting involved with um, you know, I'd ask some questions. Hey, where are we? Uh, what should I do up here? You know, turning, all those kind of things. Uh, when do I use my blinker? When do I not use my blinker? You know, uh, just teaching him along the way. One of my things my dad used to always teach me driving is he would say, um, he got on me one time really bad when he was driving with me because I slammed on my brakes last minute to stop at a yellow light. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I don't want to run, run the yellow light. He's like, no, 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 no. You, he's like, you hesitated. He's like, and then you made a last minute decision. He's like, that'll get you into trouble. He's like, don't hesitate. He's like, make a decision and do it. Go, just go. Don't don't decide halfway through. You're going to try and stop. He's like, because somebody could have rear-ended you. Somebody could have, you know. Sure, and he sure. used to make me do that all the time, uh, looking, you know, several cars ahead, looking around you, constantly checking your mirrors. You know, that was mm-hmm. my dad, like, nonstop, just mm-hmm. constant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's still with me today. I drive, and I'm sure. constantly checking. I'm looking, uh, you know, and all those kind of things. But I just love driving in general, and he does have a passion for it. I'm one of those weird people that just like to drive, you know. Well, I'm proud of you because <laughs> too many dads miss out on that opportunity. And looking yeah. back, that was some of the uh, best one-on-one time I had with the kids. The windshield time, uh, and there were several benefits. Number one is, you know, you got to talk a lot more. Yeah. Uh, you had the comfort factor that you taught them how to drive. Yes. You didn't abdicate that to anybody else. Yeah. You have complete confidence when you hand the keys over to them. Yeah. And uh, you've worked through the process. So For it, sure. And you've, you've obviously crossed a pretty big threshold together. And yes. That's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally, uh, is there anything, uh, you know, on the emotional engagement piece when you're, when you're focused on being engaged emotionally as the kids mature, uh, our challenge a lot of times is maturing in relationship with them as they mature. So yeah. uh, I know it's early in the process, and as a 16-year-old, are there any thoughts or do you have any plans on one-on-one time? I always think of a weekend retreat or an extended trip. Uh, you know, as he matures, he looks to jobs or job opportunities or college, and those trips are things that you take as yeah. a father-son. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any plans or have you thought ahead to say, you know, how, how could – what would that one you talk to you say like to travel yeah or do you see some of those as being guy guide uh, uh guy trips yeah uh, by chance no for sure uh, we're looking right now he likes roller coasters a lot which i love roller coasters uh and so you know right now we're talking about taking a trip a very short trip over to san antonio spend a couple days hit up six flags there a couple days uh and just spending time with him in that way for his birthday i've been asking what he wants and he's like well i'd like to go maybe on a trip or you know uh those kind of things so yeah planning i've been looking at different ways of trips we can take as families uh together just the three of us and then um also as just me and him we've spent a lot of time in a car together because uh, when he was at that residential treatment center for a good stint of time i was having to go out there every weekend to visit him mm-hmm. i wasn't having to but i was going out mm-hmm. there every weekend mm-hmm. and it was about an hour and 15 minutes away from us and so mm-hmm. i'd pick him up and then we'd come back towards the closest city which i think was cyprus and uh, we do all sorts of stuff, and then we drive back out there, you know. So a lot of drive time together, Good. a lot of riding in the car together, um, and so just being intentional. We've had all sorts of conversations, and now that he's in school, uh, you know, we also we talk about the things that kids deal with nowadays, and we have very open dialogue about those things. Um, he's, you know, obviously had some experiences way before he should have, and so now we but we're, we're upfront, honest about those kind of things, um, and just talk about it. 
And, you know, I explained to him, um, you know, as he gets in high school, you know, it brings in that you were just talking about earlier, the purity talk, all those kind of things. Uh, but explaining to him um, the beautiful thing of relationships, the beautiful God's beautiful design of sex and all those kind of things as he's going to be dealing with that. Um, but why it's so important, why he should value his body and why he should value others around mm-hmm. him. Sure, um, sure. And he does. He asks me questions. He's very engaged, very involved. Uh, you know, and, and he'll even ask me, what does the Bible say about this and, and stuff like that? He's kind of learned in that language. So it's been really cool. He's a very deep thinker uh, that could be due to the fact that he's been in therapy since he was seven. <laughs> that might be part of it. But uh, he's get you deep. Yeah, they, they get you to ask some questions. Um, but, but what what I'm hearing, though, is that he really feels or you've established your home and your relationship as a safe place oh, yeah. for him to come emotionally. Yeah, and that's what I tell him. I said, even when you make mistakes, even when you do things you knew you shouldn't have done, you can always bring them to me and we'll work through it together. Right. That it's never, you're not too far gone. You're not, you know, you don't need to hide it. Like, there's no point in hiding it. We're going to find out anyway. I always tell him he's a terrible liar. I mean, he really is. He, he'll say something and you just look at him like, you're lying. And he's <laughs> and he'll kind of crack and he'll laugh and he'll be like, yeah, I'm lying. And just like... And so, and with foster kids, you know, they do, they lie a lot for defense. Sure, sure. And so one of the things we try to always say to them when that happens is say, hey man, I look forward to the day you trust me enough to just tell me the truth yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so we do, we want to keep that, that place, uh, that kind of way in our home that is a safe place to tell the truth. Even if the truth is uncomfortable, you know, you're not going to get, you know, this, uh, you know, it's just going to be this real angry response. It's going to be a, okay, well, <laughs> well, now we deal with it, you know, and, and, and take it that way. Good. Well, dads, I hope you're listening to the, the wise words spoken by Matt here, that uh, the idea of being engaged emotionally is all about keeping doors open to connect with your son or your daughter. Mm-hmm. So they always know it's a safe place. It oh, may, yeah. it may be to mom first. It may be to dad first. It doesn't matter, but they need to know that the home and the church are safe places to uh, come with challenges that they're facing, whether they be, uh, the, the wonderful issues around pornography that we're, uh, that are rampant today or other issues, mm-hmm. whatever the challenges may be in their relationship. So, so dads, uh, make note of this uh, second tenet of faithful fathering after prioritizing physical presence is being engaged emotionally so that you not only know your kids well, but you begin to get in sync with their unique giftedness and how they can glorify the Father uh, in the, as they mature in their lives. So, Matt, thanks again for your words of wisdom. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Well, God bless. Godspeed. Tune in next time, and we'll look forward to talking to you. God bless.